In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the epistle reading, which you've heard. You may be seated. One of the questions I often am asked is, how was it that people in the Old Testament were saved if if they died before Jesus ascended the cross, died for their sins, and rose again on the third day? You see, this question betrays something about us. We tend to think of God on our own terms, bound by our own limitations, bound by the same rules that apply to us. But we neglect with this question to remember that God is not bound by time. He is outside of it. He not only knows the end of all human history, he knew how everything would play out from the beginning to the day of his coming, but he had already planned before he said the first word, he planned for the redemption of man. So when God called Abraham to leave his country and his kindred and his father's house, he promised to bless him and to make him have as many descendants as there were stars in the sky. This was the promise that Abraham believed. And as Genesis 15, 6 tells us, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Even though Abraham lived and died nearly 2,000 years, even before Christ was born, he believed the promise of his coming. He believed that this Christ, his offspring, would be indeed a blessing to all of the people of the earth. This offspring is Jesus. Abraham, like us, was saved by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds us in our reading from Galatians today that Abraham lived some 430 years before the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Since Abraham is the man of faith saved by grace through faith in the promise of the coming Christ, there is a change that seems to happen. At Mount Sinai, 430 years after Abraham, God gave the Israelites, the descendants, the children of Abraham, the law. Last week, you may remember that we spoke about the law, how it holds out the promise of salvation to us, but that promise is conditional. Meaning that unless we fulfill the conditions of that promise, we would not gain heaven by our doing. Here, St. Paul doubles down on that thread. He says in this passage, For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that by the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all who believe. In other words, all of the faithful in the Old Testament, along with Abraham, had to be saved in the same way that we were, not just because of when the law was given at Mount Sinai, but because the law was never meant to be the means by which we were saved. It was never intended by God to replace salvation by grace through faith alone. Abraham was counted righteous because of what he believed. Job was righteous because of faith. David 
was likewise righteous because of faith. You, people loved by God, are righteous because of faith in Jesus Christ alone. Our inheritance in heaven is not something that we set out to win like the lawyer who questioned Jesus. It is an inheritance that is provided for us by Christ. So why then? Why do we need the law at all? Well, St. Paul writes, why then the law? It has been added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. So while the law cannot save us, it does play an important role in the life of the Christian. When you were in catechism class, undoubtedly your pastor taught you the three uses of the law. I'm seeing some nodding. That's good. You might remember the first use of the law is the curb. St. Paul writes to young pastor Timothy, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The law was added, says St. Paul, because of transgressions. That is, the effects of the fall as they spread throughout creation. We saw that with that spread of sin, the, the growth of evil grew and grew as time went on. Already in the pre-flood world, a descendant of Cain bragged about the number of murders that he had committed. God comments at one point that the intentions of man's hearts are only inclined towards evil. And so God put the law into place in order to curb or to reduce the evil that we see around us. The curb usually works through the force of government, which we can still observe today. Most of us here are familiar with the situation in Haiti because Pastor Allmeyer adopted some of his children from there. That is a nation where kidnapping, theft, murder, and, and crime are, are simply ways of life for everyone because there is no functioning government in place to enforce any kind of rule of law. It's the same problem that we see in Afghanistan now and when I was a kid in the 90s in Somalia and Africa. Yes, those things do happen here, but I don't think any of us could argue that life is better in those places than it is here in Jackson County. The law acts as a deterrent for wicked behavior, and so when a nation enforces the rule of law by punishing the wicked and rewarding those who do good, life is always better for the citizens that live there. But the law isn't just for those kinds of people that are outside of the walls of our churches. The law also serves, in its second use, as a mirror for us. As Christians, we are to take up the law to see where we have fallen short of the glory of God. St. John writes in his first epistle, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
St. Paul also writes in Romans 3, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. We don't like to have our faults pointed out, but for the Christian it is essential for us to have our sins exposed by the law of God. If someone didn't know that they had cancer, they wouldn't take chemotherapy. The less we realize our fallen condition, the less we think that we need Christ. This is one of the problems that faces the church in an affluent society that we are in today. The gospel becomes nothing more than a therapy for when we feel bad or a vitamin shot when we need an extra boost of encouragement. If we don't know that we stand under the sentence of death because of our sins, the message of Christ, who has died for us sinners, becomes meaningless. And so on this point, I encourage you, as I've encouraged you before, to take up that brief period of silence during the confession and absolution, to consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Consider where indeed you have fallen short. Remember that the wages of sin is death, so that when you hear that absolution, that word of forgiveness, it is so much sweeter knowing that even though you stand condemned by the law, the gospel is there to forgive you and to apply Christ's righteousness to you. Lastly, the law also stands as a guide for us. Though the law can never be a ladder that we use to climb up to heaven, by confessing our sin and drowning the old Adam in the waters of our baptism, the law now helps us to do battle against our sinful desires by showing us how God actually wants us to live this side of glory so that when we get to his kingdom, we see that that law that God has laid down for us is simply the way of things in glory. So then, dear saints, the law does not give us life. It cannot. Righteousness cannot come by the law because it can only show us our sin. It can only show us how we have failed to measure up to God's perfect standard. That was never God's intention with the law to begin with. It was never God's intention for us to earn our way back to him. Instead, the inheritance that we have with him comes by God's promise, just as it did to Abraham. God has promised us eternal life in Christ Jesus, and he gives it to us through faith in him. And when we look to him, who is the promised offspring of Abraham, just as with our father Abraham, when we believe the promise, we are counted righteous by faith in him. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.